Hello and welcome to Move the Line, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. I'm Ryan Newton, joined here, as always, by my friends to talk sides, totals, and the best matchups. All the matchups. Super wild card weekend. Connor Allen, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Feels good to be back in the studio, hanging out, um, you know, talking here, not dealing with, you know, pool jazzercise going on in the background or you know, potentially, you know, the maids coming in, dropping off some margaritas. But it's, it's good to be back. The weather oh, is absolute man. horseshit, though. I know. What a tough life, right? You know, it's uh, God, I'm yeah. so sorry yeah. that that happened to you, man. I know. Okay? I know. It's, it's, I'm recovering. Uh, I mean, this weather's okay. helping. Zero degrees. Uh, it can't get much better than this, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be cold in the Midwest this weekend. We'll talk about that here in the show. We have a game happening there, uh, obviously uh, here in the spot as always. Sharp Clark, what's going on, my friend? Not much. Yeah, every year my friends from Texas come visit me in Denver in in January, and so it's gonna be a cold one this year. I'm like, bring your coats. Like we don't have coats, so <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, we do our uh, best here. We talk about all the games. Obviously, we uh, only have uh, six this week. Uh, we will continue to be here every Wednesday, 4 p.m. Eastern on the 444Bets YouTube channel. Uh, you should be able to find the podcast in your feed later on Wednesday evening. Subscribe to both so you don't miss a show. This is free content, supporting it by subscribing uh, either to the YouTube channel at 444Bets or the podcast goes a long way in helping us continue to bring you the best content and tools in the industry here at 444. Take a second to make sure you hit the thumbs up or comment in the video. Uh, let us know what your favorite bet is here for Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, we appreciate that very much. If you want to talk props, uh, we could do that on Friday afternoon. Prop drop show, same channel, uh, same podcast feed that is on Friday. We're typically 3 p.m. Eastern. We might have to move that around. Uh, Slop, uh, John Highslop uh, is our prop guy that jumps in with Connor and I on Fridays. Uh, he is on vacation. Not quite sure if we'll have the same spot. But again, if you are subscribed, you won't miss it. We'll tweet that out uh, so you'll be able to have all that information as soon as we have it there as well uh you can still scoop up a betting subscription obviously we're rounding out to the end of the year uh that betting subscription runs through the end of february so you'll get all of the nfl stuff here through the playoffs uh and then you've also you want to bet nba with us mma we're doing all that as well just to you know dip your toes in the water get a sample of you know what the in-season stuff looks like from us get in the discord get all the official plays that we have we're pushing out some props today um obviously clark got in early and uh, scooped up some good lines here that we're going to talk about today it gets you access to all the tools. So if in season you want to grind your season long league, you do best ball. You know, best ball season starts very soon. As you know, football ends, we had a little bit of break, and then best ball starts right after. So uh, we cover all that for you. You can get a taste uh, super cheap. Head over to 444.com/slash plans. The betting sub again, access to everything. $19.99 for just a little bit longer for the season. So all that here is in the show notes as well. Uh, if you like to bet golf. I'm, I'm, I have no pride. I'm a shill for the golf product that we do as well. Um, you can go over to uh, betsportsgolf.com. You can find out some great ways to get that access for very cheap. We are now picking up on the golf side as well. Uh, jump in my DMs uh, if you want more information on that. Great sport to bet on. All right, gentlemen. Uh, six games. We've got three days. we got a little bit on Saturday. Uh, we get, you know, people are mad that you get the Saturday Peacock only game, which I think is interesting this week too. Uh, and then you get the Monday night capper. Uh, with the Eagles and uh, Buccaneers. But let's get started here. Um, and uh, let's talk Browns and Texans. First game of the week. Browns, a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. Uh, but we're at, like, minus 115 or higher in most spots. It's briefly touched three on Monday. Uh, it was an immediate buyback there, and it's held at two-and-a-half cents total. At 44-and-a-half, it's a rematch from Christmas Eve 
Browns closed there as a three-point favorite. That's the game that Amari Cooper went absolutely bananas. Uh, game that Connor had the ladders and the props there and, and took that one to the moon. Uh, Browns won 36-22. Houston scored a couple of garbage touchdowns late to make it closer. But again, no C.J. Stroud in that one for the Texans. So it's almost like just none of it really matters. Both teams are also missing some key defenders on the defensive side as well. Most of you either already returned or should be returning this week. So very much a different game, even though it was recent than what we saw just a couple of weeks ago. Clark, I'll let you get started with Texans and Browns. Yeah, so I think the primary thing that my mind has kind of gone to in this game is is that the Browns defense is just a little bit overrated. Um, and I understand that they're very good, but a very good defense can be overrated. They've they've put up really good numbers for good reason. They, they are well coached. They have players at every level that can make plays. Um, and, and I really like them, but if you look at the way the metrics have fallen and, and a lot of people cite things like, well, their home and away splits are significant. They've been much better at home than on the road. It's not really so much about, you know, well, we're playing at home, so we're going to be better. That's not really the, the important thing. It's the matchups they've had. So some of these matchups at home, they played in week one, they played Joe Burrow and the Bengals in that bad weather game where Burrow had, you know, a calf injury and couldn't move. So he was just throwing the ball from like a stationary spot the whole game, throw that game out, you know, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill on a banged up Titans offensive line did nothing against them. Uh, when they played Baltimore, Lamar Jackson was okay, pretty decent. When they played the Niners, uh, that was a bad weather game for Brock Purdy in which CMC, Deep, and Trent Williams all got hurt uh, in the game. And we've seen that Purdy is especially sensitive to one, losing those guys and two, playing good defenses. So them underperforming was somewhat predictable. You know, Clayton Toon, one of the worst quarterbacks that ever started a game this year for Arizona, two games against Kenny Pickett. Um, they had a game against Trevor Simeon and the Jets. Um, and, and when you look at the games that they played against somewhat decent quarterbacks, they've been beatable, like not, not, you know, excellent, but like Stafford, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson, even all these guys did fairly well against the Browns defense. And I put CJ Stroud at probably the very top of that range of quarterbacks that they faced. Um, I'm not worried about CJ Stroud, you know, first playoff game as a rookie like he's shown poise time and time again all year and he he has the mental game on display every week if you watch him you see it uh, i'm not worried about some kind of flop in the playoffs just because he's a rookie um so yeah i think the i think the texans offense will have some success here the problem is joe flacco's also had some success um he's been streaky but he's throwing the ball downfield and putting it in places where his guys can make plays and so that's you know key they're gonna be playing in a dome so those deep throws are gonna work amari cooper looks healthy um, but I still think that at home uh, with the better quarterback, uh, I think the Texans are the side, even as small underdogs. Um, and so that that's where I'm leaning in this game. Yeah, two and a half is an interesting line. I'm not surprised that we get the buyback at three. Connor, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? It's really tough because Clark touched on it a little bit, but just the deep ball and the willingness to throw deep here for the Browns is really unique. So we saw in the last game here, Houston 25th and explosive pass rate allowed. And we saw them just to consistently expose them deep. I think that's a massive issue here too. We also saw the Houston Texans running game last week. show a little bit more cracks than normal. I think that a lot of that had to do with Indianapolis, just running the ball a little bit more creatively as you know, the Texans run defense has been better or uh, been really good all season until then basically. But I mean, I just keep going back to, we know Flacco, their pass rate of expectations spiked massively ever since he took over. He, we know he wants to push the ball downfield. And so I, I struggle to think like, okay, they're going to kind of shut this team down. Now, I do think that the Texans are going to find some success offensively. There are some unique splits with C.J. Stroud. We touched on it last week against the Colts, how he's been much better against cover three, much better against zone. 
you know, his splits against man, not quite as good. Uh, and, you know, I think that's a little bit concerning, especially when you're shorthanded receiver wise. So like if they had Tank Dell, if they had Nico Collins, they had kind of that whole, you know, allotment there it would be good. Um, now we're looking at just probably Nico Collins, Noah Brown, TBD, Robert Woods, TBD. Um, you know, like I think that they can get by with that. I think CJ Stroud is good enough to get by with that. Um, so that's kind of what has me leaning over here, like primarily on the basis that I think Cleveland can attack the ball downfield. And I think you still have some success keeping up and the splits won't be as dramatic as they've been all season. But um, yeah, I think probably my favorite spot here would be the over. Cause I, I think the spread is about right. I think two and a half, you know, three is about right here because the Browns just in my opinion, have a pretty significant advantage there. Yeah. I also partially think too, because both teams, I think will struggle to, to run the ball a little bit. And these are two of the top uh, run defenses. And they, you've been able to gash and take advantage against the Browns defense at times, make some splash plays. We've seen that. There's been some um, some stuff that Clark kind of laid out there in terms of the opponent that I think is uh, is interesting in that too. So yeah, I, the one thing that it was concerning a little bit to me in, in watching that game on Saturday night with the Texans was that like Stroud was cooking a little bit and they still seem to be very predictable on early downs uh and just content in turning around and handing the ball off and like you know like bobby slowick is attached to pff and you, you know you attach him to pff you attach him to like analytics friendly and you attach him to like you know analytics friendly means pass the football on early downs and like we didn't necessarily see that we haven't really seen that as much so i wonder what that was i wonder if that was like game plan specific teams tend to, to run and skew pretty run heavily on the Colts um, on the season, which is interesting. So maybe it was something in the game plan that they saw that that teams have seen on the season. Um, you know, but I also think like at this point, we've seen enough from Stroud. Let him cook a little bit, even though they're limited in terms of, you know, no tank Dell. We don't have maybe the top five, 10 percentile ceiling outcome from a passing standpoint that they would have had if they were healthy. But I think letting the rookie kind of do his thing, putting the ball in his hands, I think is their best, best path to success here. Obviously, I feel the same way with uh, with what's going on on the Brown side. But, yeah, I, I think that the Texans are an interesting teaser leg at two and a half, um, and I would kind of lean over there as well. Uh, if you happen to get a three, I think that would have been lovely. But, yeah, probably Texans are nothing for me at this point. Kind of be my look. Noonan, Same what's the point. average plays in a game? Like, do you know, like, how much, like, a normal play volume is in a game? So the, the Browns lead the league. Uh, they have all season. They've actually maintained and even continued to pull that up a little bit with Flacco, which I think is very interesting. So, you know, you're typically sitting around like low 60s, I'd say 62, 63. Uh, the Browns all season long have been in like the low 70s in place per game. Uh, the Texans are like middle of the pack around like right around 62, 63. Yeah, because so the last time these teams met, I think I counted over 140 total plays between the two teams combined, which seemed abnormally high, uh, you know, relative and I thought, thought that, that was an interesting point as well. And I was wondering if that will transfer over here, especially with Stroud. I mean, that was with Davis Mills, Case Keenum. So, uh. yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we know just more passing leads to that too, right? You know, the passing volume clock stops on incompletions. Those things can lead to more snaps versus just a, a handoff that stays in balance, continues to move the clock too. So passing volume obviously helps play volume. So, yeah, I'd say, I think the average NFL game is right around like 128 per game combined. So something that gets into the one forties is on the higher side for sure. All right. Uh, next we have uh, the cold one. We were talking about real quick. Here. We have the dolphins on the road in Kansas city against the chiefs. Uh, we've had a, a bit of movement here. We're up from three and a half and open out to Kansas city minus four DraftKings is out to Kansas city minus four and a half 
at minus 108. So noteworthy if you have a little bit of a lean there. Totals bounced around a little bit as well. FanDuel at 44 and a half. Both, most other shops looking like 44 flats. So again, that's a key number, 44. So not an insignificant half point. Again, if you have a lean, this is a, a rematch from early November back in Germany. A fairly uninspiring uh, performance there. 21-14 win for the Chiefs. We were hoping for some offensive fireworks. We're like, oh man, like, you know, DFS guys, are, this is on, it should be on the main slate. We're At this point, maybe we're still daydreaming about the Chiefs offense being something that it's not. Both quarterbacks failed to top 200 yards passing. Chiefs defense basically dared the Miami Dolphins to run the football. They really didn't take them up on it. When they did, they had some success. Miami abysmal on third downs, uh, three for 12 on third downs in that game. They averaged just 4.7 yards per pass attempt. Mahomes was not much better. Uh, they needed a defensive touchdown. Trent McDuffie had a strip of Tyreek. Mike Evans uh, scooped that, or Mike Edwards, I'm sorry, scooped that up and uh, took it back for a score. Not a great game. Um, I don't know what to expect. And again, like we've talked about weather, we have weather issues, obviously this time of year and what matters and what doesn't, um, Connor, I don't really remember where like freezing cold. And I go like cold is cold. And like, you know, you're playing playoff football. Oftentimes you're going to have to play some games in the cold. This looks to be really problematic. Uh, especially when you have a scenario where like, I don't know, like these guys aren't all from Florida, but at this point they spend a lot of time in Florida. I have a friend who I grew up with in New Hampshire. He lives down in Atlanta now. He is thin blood. He does. You get him in the cold now, 40 degrees. He's bundled up with a coat. Like those things I think do matter. How it relates to handicapping a football game though. Um, love to get your thoughts here. It's going to be cold. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at temperatures as low as like, you know, it's going to be zero degrees with the wind chill, potentially negatives, um, like, you know, negative 10 at one point. And how that really impacts the game is tough because there's not expected to be like a ton of wind uh, and there's not expected to be like a ton of precipitation or anything. So those are the things that normally would impact the game. So I don't know. I kind of struggle and think that maybe there won't be a massive impact. I think the bigger impact is just going to be the Dolphins injuries, which right now their defense is just, I mean, every week it's someone new coming in, coming out. And so like, it's really tough for me to put a ton of stock into betting a game like this because I just don't know what iteration of the Dolphins defense we're getting the Dolphins offense too, like with Waddle, maybe playing, maybe not playing. I think he's training towards playing at this point. Um, you know, A-Chan in a bigger role, like it's going to rely a lot on McDaniel to kind of like, you know, cook up some stuff here for this Dolphins offense, I think. So for me, it kind of just is like a stay away. Uh, and which is crazy to say in a game that preseason, we would have been like, oh, this game is like, you know, 50 point total going to be awesome and everything. And since then, we've just kind of seen the Dolphins defense start to get better, but now have a ton of injuries. And then the Kansas City Chiefs offense never really truly find its rhythm offensively. And then defensively started really strong, had a couple of blips and now are, you know, fine. But also in the playoffs too, we've seen the Kansas City Chiefs defense in years past play terrible, like all year, be one of the worst and, you know, run defense, be one of the worst in pass defense from time to time, and then come in and play at the top five level. So it's one of those things where maybe the under, I guess, is the right call, but I, I don't think it would necessarily be specifically weather related. So for me, it's just a big stay away because there's like question marks, I think, on both sides of the ball for me. Um, you know, it's 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 a really, really tough one, I think, to handicap. One thing that's really interesting here, Clark, is, you know, we've kind of, we know at this point, right? We're not waiting for something that the Chiefs haven't showed us all season. They're just not that team offensively. Um, doesn't mean that they can't be good. Doesn't mean that they can't win. They just aren't that team. Uh, Mahomes is historically just one of the toughest quarterbacks to sack. Um, you can get pressure on him, and this offensive line is allowed pressure at a higher rate than normal. Uh, he just doesn't go down. The problem for Miami is they have been absolutely decimated 
at edge rusher. I mean, we lost Jalen Phillips early in the season, uh, their best pass rusher. Bradley Chubb has been playing terrific football. Uh, he goes down in that game late against Baltimore. Uh, Andrew Van Ginkle, who has been the replacement and kind of a swing guy and has had some great games this season, he is now on IR as well. So the fact that they are going to really struggle in this game to get pressure. They're going to have to generate pressure, obviously second-level pressure. It's not going to come necessarily from just one-on-one -on -one edge rushers. It was really hard to pressure up the middle. That's kind of the strength of their offensive line. Even with all the weaknesses of the Chiefs offensively, having Mahomes in a spot where he's really hard to take down anyway and you're probably going to get less pressure, that's kind of tough for me, um, especially with some of the other injuries. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think you nailed the, the primary angle in this game. They, whenever you have a team with a cluster injury, you have to ask yourself what the other team does against that unit. You know, right? So if you're going against a team that plays really good man defense in the secondary and the offense has a cluster injury at receiver, like you're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield. Like just no one will be open. Um, and I think that's applying here is Miami's pass rush is absolutely decimated. Every edge rusher on the roster basically is done. Um, and you're going against Patrick Mahomes. The only way to stop Patrick Mahomes is, well, other than his receivers dropping the ball, is to get pressure, natural pressure on him without blitzing. Like that has always been the key to to stopping. That's what the Raiders did in that game that they they frustrated the crap out of Patrick Mahomes because they were getting pressure with their front four. I don't think the Dolphins are, have the horses to do that here. I think the Chiefs' offensive line wins that battle, and I think it's going to be really, really tough for the Dolphins to to succeed. I I'm not as concerned about the chiefs offense as, as I think most people are like, I, I look at a lot of the, you know, I, I watch every snap for every game and I'm grading them and they're, they're still tied for second as, as the second best offense in the NFL, in my opinion. So uh, Patrick Mahomes makes a big difference to that. Like he, he turns negative plays into positive plays. Um, and so I think that's going to be the key here. And we've seen him time and time again, turn it on in the playoffs. And I don't think there's reason to expect something drastically different just because his receivers aren't as good. They'll figure it out. They figured it out last, last year. Um, the question is, can Miami's offense keep up? Um, and I think, I think that's, that's the big question. If Jalen Waddle plays, that matters. If he's out and it's just Tyree kill and Legere Sneed plays and is active, I think it's gonna be really tough sliding for the dolphins. They're now have a negative 92 point differential against playoff teams this year. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa has been susceptible to splits based on the quality of defenses faced. It's part of the reason why he struggled the first time he played the Chiefs. Um, he's just not good enough to overcome a defense that can stop his fastball. His fastball being dropping back and getting the ball out quick to Tyreek Hill or whoever it is that's open over the middle. And we've seen defenses like the Bills last last week close that off. And he just it's like he starts panicking and throws wildly inaccurate passes. And so if the Chiefs can can make Tua make mistakes, which I think they can, then I think this could be potentially one-way action on the Chiefs. Um, so I know the, the spread is kind of inflating, but I think that's justified based on all these. And then finally, there's some, some intangibles kind of stacking up. Like in addition to those injuries, they're having to come into, you know, super cold weather. Like when, when you're hurt and you're trying to nurse people back from health, playing in cold is not helpful. It is it is harmful. And then they, they played late Sunday night. They have to play on a short week off a night game on Saturday against a Chiefs team that rested most of their best players last week because they had everything locked up. So everything kind of favors the Chiefs here. So I understand why everyone is on the Chiefs, but I think it's for good reason. And I think that's why we're seeing the spread tick up. I don't think it has much more room to run. Like, I don't think it gets up to six. I think there'd be way too much interest in Miami at that price. Uh, but I do but I do agree with the movement up. Um, and I bet it at three and a half. And I, I think I probably would still bet it at four and a half, although a smaller bet. Because um, I just, I think you need exposure to the Chiefs here in some way. 
Yeah, the interesting thing is, like, we talked about cluster injuries on the defensive side, and especially at edge rusher, secondary is beat up. Um, you know, Deshaun Elliott at safety, Javon Holland came back last week, limited snaps. He's not in great shape. We know Xavier Howard is out. That means a whole lot of Eli Apple. It's just is it's it's messed up on both sides too, right? You have both running backs dinged up. You know, you have a couple of offensive linemen, um, you know, Eichenberg and Armstrong, who just have not been or Armstead have just not been healthy all season. Um, that's kind of the thing. And that's like what happened in the first game. It's not even that they like dared them to run. That's just kind of how the Chiefs have been playing defense. All season long, they are top three in pass D EPA allowed up there with the Ravens and the Browns. They're 27th in rush D DVOA. They are kind of will let you do that a little bit, knowing that it's kind of the inefficient way to move the football. And unfortunately, with the injuries of the offensive line and at running back, the Dolphins aren't really equipped to like just kind of lean into it and say, hey, you know what? This is what we're going to do today because this is what you're going to give us and we can do it. I just think they're going to have to lean on to it to move the football to keep up here. And yeah, it's Chiefs or nothing for me for sure. For obviously four to four and a half, leave yourself out with the push with, you know, four sometimes being, uh, you know, mattering a little bit. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with Clark. I mean, if you got a three and a half, I think you're probably feeling pretty good. We convince you at all, Connor, to get on the Chiefs? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like we're looking at minus four on FanDuel. It's it's just like one of those things where, well, one, I love the Dolphins. I just always have. True. I have a soft spot in That's my true. heart. I want to back them. Like you know, if everyone is healthy, obviously I would love this number here for the Dolphins, but then I think the spread would probably be three. You know, I think if everyone was healthy, maybe even a two and a half here. Um, and so, yeah, it's, I just can't back it because like, in my mind, the only way that Miami pulls this off or covers is like Vic Fangio reaching deep in his bag and somehow just basically dropping like eight guys into coverage, like every play and somehow like confusing Mahomes, which again, very low chance of that happening. And then same with on the other side, like somehow McDaniel pulling together a game plan with a beat up offensive line that he can execute against the Chiefs. So like it just seems like the possibilities of how they get there are really slim. So yeah, at minus four, I think it's probably probably look on the Chiefs. My biggest concern as a Chiefs better is is that they struggle in the red zone. They've had that happen to them a few times this year where they move the ball down sure. the field and then they can't punch it in. And you're taking three points each time against Miami. I don't think you're gonna cover four. So that's that's my biggest concern. Yeah, the uh, Chiefs have been kind of middle of the pack, which is not where you know Mahomes typically is. They're 17th in red zone scoring percentage on the season. That is not a uh, typical Patrick Mahomes metric there. So, um, yeah, that does definitely matter for sure. Uh, all right, next is uh, the first of the uh, Sunday games. We have the Steelers on the road uh, against the Bills. There were eight and eight and a halfs available here at Open. Quickly, we've moved out to Buffalo minus 10. Touch nine and a half. We got a little bit of a buyback. Tens have been held holding steady here the past couple of days. Totals plummeted though, uh, since we're looking at a pretty bleak weather report for Sunday afternoon in Western New York. Windy and snowy throughout. Total is down from 41 and a half at open. Uh, 36, 36 and a half are out there now. An absolutely wild ride for this Bills team this season. Even on Sunday night, we got like the full Josh Allen car wash experience, red zone turnovers, highlight plays, picks, fumbles, the whole thing, all in one. Uh, but they won the division, stole that from a little bit of us. We, you know, we had Connor and I had some Miami to win the division. I just wanted this, the Bills in the playoffs, even though we had that locked in in the game. But uh, good for them. And now they are hosting a beat up Steelers team that they deserve their kudos as well. They're just not very good. But again, like Tomlin does it again. It's just hard to be really bullish on a team that is going to go out without their best player. You know, TJ Watt got injured. Uh, they lost consecutive home games in December. 
to the Patriots and the Cardinals. Uh, they are intentionally, willfully starting Mason Rudolph at quarterback in a road playoff game. Again, like their other options aren't great either. So it's like, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, you know, Bills here by a big number, Clark. What are your thoughts on uh, on our Bills still being alive? I get I get why they're starting Mason Rudolph. Like you win three games heading in and you make the playoffs that you weren't going to make. And you got to you got to give him that start. But he's not the best quarterback on the roster. He's not the they played in those three games. Two of the worst rushing defenses in the NFL and the Ravens team benching all their starters. And they're a team that has to run the ball to succeed. So, of course, they looked good in those three games. But they would have won those games with Kenny Pickett, too, because they would have run the ball just as well with Kenny Pickett handing it off instead of Mason Rudolph. And I know there were some deep shots, too, that Rudolph had, but those were set up by consistently getting the run game working and getting that single coverage for Kenny Pick or for George Pickens. Anyway, here, they're going to have to do it again. They're going to have to run the ball. They're going to have to win in the trenches. They're going to have to move the ball on the ground, shorten the game, reduce the number of possessions. The, the weather is not going to really let them have a downfield passing attack anyway. Um, and I think this is just a trench warfare battle. Um, and so I think that that sort of favors the Steelers. But, you know, I'm not making the bet because, you know, one, I, I want to fade the Steelers. I want to fade Mason Rudolph. I think they're completely they have no business being in the, in the playoffs. They're just not a good team. They're overrated because of the virtue of the fact they faced those really bad run defenses that made them look good. Um, and two, I think about what happened in the Bills-Cowboys game a few weeks ago. That that game was entirely trench warfare, and the Bills absolutely dominated that game from start to finish against a very, very good Cowboys offensive line and a very good Cowboys defensive line. Now, the Steelers defensive line is playing without TJ Watt. Um, the offensive line's been playing well, but I think the Bills defense is a little bit underrated, and I think without any threat to pass, I think they can really load up that box and stop the run. And if they do that, I don't see what Pittsburgh's, you know, option B is. So this is a game where a shutout is on the table for, for the Bills defense. Um, it won't take too much for the Bills to win, but but covering 10 is just too much for me to get involved. So this is a pass for me. Uh, I think the spread's right. The total's crashed, which is right. Um, so I'm just sort of saying, well done, Market. You figured it out. Uh, and then enjoying the game and, and hoping the Bills advance uh, for my Bills Super Bowl ticket. Sounds like you got a little room for a uh, Steelers team total under uh, with that uh, shutout statement. But yeah, I potentially I don't yeah. disagree with a lot of it. There's not a lot of upside here. Maybe uh, ult under, ult under Steelers three and a half points yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, yeah, Connor, where are you at here? Yeah, I think just to you know further quantify the weather here specifically, like what we're looking at right now is wind speeds consistently in the 20 to 25 miles per hour range, which we, which we know matters. Um, you know, we've anything after 15 miles per hour, it starts to matter 20 plus miles per hour definitely matters on deep throws. And then, uh, you know, gusts up to 40 to 50 miles per hour, which absolutely impacts deep throws. I mean, you're talking about, he throws the ball into a gust and I mean, the ball's just going to die. Uh, and so like deep throwing long field goals, both very much, you know, in danger of this game. And so Beyond that, you're looking at potential snow flurries. You're looking at weather in the 20 degrees. So it's going to be cold, super windy, a little bit of snow. And you're basically telling teams that who have already basically committed to the running the ball a bunch, hey, you should probably run the ball because throwing is not going to be doing very much here. So I think you're like pushing two teams that already want to run the ball here to do more so more of that. Um, I kind of lean towards the under here because, I mean, this Bills defense has got a lot healthier in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they got Daquan Jones back as well. Like, it's their defensive line could be a little bit better. Their run defense plays well here. I mean, I think, like you said, like alt under is very much in play. 
Um, I think that the Bills will have a decent amount of success running the ball as well. Uh, you know, I played James Cook over 14 and a half carries prior to coming on to this. I thought that was just at least one, maybe two carries too low, given what we're going to see here from this Bills team. If I had to pick a side, honestly, I'd pick Steelers plus 10 because, I do, again, I just think that this is going to be a very not close game, but just kind of like a, you know, run grind it out type of game here where maybe the Steelers get a field goal or two and maybe the bills don't, you know, blow the doors off here. But I think the under is still even a 36 is just a little bit high considering what I think we're going to see here. Uh, on fanatics, they let you do this. If you can get down anything on fanatics, you can get a Steelers team total lowest number they have available is under four and a half uh, at plus five fifty. Um, oh, that's way, that's way. DraftKings has team bands, and it's zero to ten is plus one hundred. That's that's stupid. <laughs> what? Stu- yeah, it's stupid. It's like why DraftKings has been on some shit lately, man. I mean, yeah. I'm, like with the oh, uh, the Super Bowl anytime touchdown odds, those were absolutely outrageous too. To win with to win All with right. a shutout, ten to one for the Bills. That's just that's not great. All right. I would have predatory behavior today too. DraftKings again, shout out FanDuel. Like you can't. I, mean, I guess you can because you did. Like we try, if you try to push the bat through, you got to take something on the bat. Like I don't care if you can take fifteen cents. It's predatory behavior for you to not take the bat, shut me out to get nothing, take the bet off the board and move the line. You are using my information for free to then move the line. That is predatory behavior and it's shit. Stop doing it. Um, I mean, you're not going to because no one's holding you accountable for doing it. So you're going to keep doing it. But it's it's absolutely garbage and feels like it should be against whatever the rules are. Uh, that feels against the rules. That is that is not cool. Uh, also, they took away. I noticed this just now since I came back from Mexico. They took away the max wager thing. At least mine mine is. Is you're that way too. So they brought they put it on there where you could start typing the number like FanDuel does, and it would give you a max wager and tell you how much you could bet. Which I was like, oh, this is great. This is what I would have been waiting for forever. And they got rid of it. It's like, oh, God, it's horrible. It's terrible. Well, only redeeming thing you've done, you took it away. So, uh, so like, you know, we'll, we'll have a couple of things around these two teams here briefly. Uh, the Steelers, real quick, like, we'll have, to have the offseason to talk about it. But, yeah, like, you're kind of in purgatory from, like, the quarterback position. How can you go back to picket at this point? You really can't. Now you're in the playoffs. So, like, it's really hard. You're not in this position to, you know, sink draft resources in the position you're going to have to do something in the free agent market or roll out a season with mason rudolph or try to sell your fan base on a pick it just wasn't healthy i don't know what that looks like that's not fun um the bills like we want to be biased in the bills we have you know super bowl bets in the bills and maybe they're just playing better like all around football but like joe brady at the offensive coordinator position you know we made the change with ken dorsey he's getting a lot of credit for some of the change and they've been like just a little bit worse and everything across the board. A lot of key statistics since he's taken over. Now they're playing a little more balanced football. They're getting a little bit more healthy uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but like look, yards per play points per drive, success rates, EPA per drive. They're all down massively. I mean, EPA per drive is like half of what it was uh, under Ken Dorsey. And then again, like it's just for this team, it, it basically is, can they play defense better than they were early in the year? And can Josh Allen not turn the football over? Uh, in, in bunches for them moving forward. But just interesting to see uh, kind of how they evolve and, you know, into being a actual Super Bowl contender more so than having to get past the Steelers. So, uh, again, we, something you really can't find out ahead of time until it's happening. And hopefully, hey, teams get hot in the playoffs, and this team obviously is, I think we think, is equipped as any to go ahead and, and win this whole thing. So interesting to watch. All right, next, the Packers are on the road 
in Dallas against the Cowboys. This opened at seven. We're now out to Dallas minus seven and a half. Uh, although on FanDuel, DraftKings, and Caesars, we are like minus 105. Uh, total's been bet up from 49 and open. We're basically 50 and a half now across the board. Uh, we all like the Packers to make the playoffs in the preseason, so yay us. Uh, but this is a big ask for a young team uh, on the road against a team that's played really good football, especially at home this season. Uh, but hey, the young team gets to cut their teeth a little bit and gets a taste of it here. Uh, Clark, I'll let you get started with uh, your Super Bowl pick in the NFC at the preseason, uh, Packers and Cowboys. Not giving up. Packers winning outright. Jordan Love is going to deliver the road victory in Dallas this weekend. He has been phenomenal. And and I think, like, you have to understand the, the process. Like, if you're the Packers, this has been a process. You you put Jordan Love in there. You've got no real weapons to speak of. you got a bunch of young guys. It's going to take a while. And if you look at the first, you know, eight weeks of the season, dealing with a bunch of offensive injuries, like, they were inconsistent. They were not good. Um, but Love was making some deep plays. And so the thought was, okay, well, let's see what happens. He's got a low success rate, high EPA. Let's see what happens when some of those don't connect. Well, well, since week nine, he is top three in the NFL, all the NFL, in success rate, EPA per play, and PFF grade. He's been a legitimately top quarterback for a span of, you know, eight, nine, ten weeks. Um, and he's doing it with weapons that are just not that great. And his pocket presence, his, like, the way that he is able to understand where the defender is without looking at the defender, the way he's able to shift his arm angle to make a throw, even in, in the face of pressure, like has enabled him to make these throws. Um, and I think the offensive line is playing really well. I think the run game is playing really well. The Cowboys defense is frankly overrated. Uh, they've done most of the damage against bad teams, kind of like the Browns. And if you look at all of the teams they've played that have a pulse on offense, they've all scored. I think, I don't know what about they've all scored. They've scored an average of at least 26 points against them. Um, and so I think the Packers are going to score here. They're going to move the ball. They're also going to shorten the game. Like the Packers take forever when they run their offense. Um, and so they march down the field. Like remember the, the Chiefs game, the Chiefs literally got two offensive possessions in the first half because the Packers just chewed up the clock the entire time. And so when the Chiefs had to settle for field goals, it was 14-6 at halftime. So an offense to uh, to win, and I think they have to be perfect on offense to cover the massive spread. Um, and I think the Packers defense, while you know, huge questions abound for Joe Barry. They have played a little better since Jair Alexander came back and some other guys came back from injury. Um, I think they got their swagger back, even though it was against two kind of mediocre offenses. Um, so I think if they can just make a few plays here, uh, disrupt things just a little bit for this Cowboys offense at home, which I know is a big, it's a big ask that the Cowboys have been great. Uh, then I think this is a game that gets real tight late. And I think, you know, from what we've seen from the Cowboys, we've, we've seen them struggle to struggle in the playoffs. Like it's a mental game at this point. And I think the Packers are playing with nothing to lose. They're further than they thought they would be this year. And they believe in their guy. Um, and I think that's going to go a long way. So uh, this is my favorite bet of the week. I, I like the Packers against the spread. Um, and I really hope they can win outright because that would be fun to you. Love it. I uh, love the conviction. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think this game is going to be uh, entertaining to watch. Uh, I do think, you know, if we can get a good injury report, uh, with some of the offensive weapons for the Packers. I think that makes it definitely a little bit more competitive here, Connor. What are your thoughts on uh, Packers-Cowboys? Yeah, I think I agree with a lot of what Clark said here, especially offensively for the Packers here. I mean, Dallas dead last in rushing success right allowed. We've seen them get dominated in the trenches, you know, defensively there like plenty of times, especially here against the Green Bay team that I think will try and run the ball and have plenty of success doing so here. Aaron Jones looks healthy and good. Like, I mean, 
when he's healthy, he's one of the best running backs in the league. It's just that he's like it almost never helps having AJ Dillon out too, right? Like it I just feel like there's does. a different like you know you know you don't feel forced. You're gonna give I him mean, yeah. Just is there anyone better than Aaron Jones at turning four yards into eight yards? Like it just you're like oh he's gonna get tackled. Oh 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 wow he got eight yards. Like always. he just does it every time. Yeah. You know rope a dope down the line, literally just like you know toe tapping. Yeah. It's it's crazy. I, I don't know how he does it, but he's I think a big factor for them and getting that going here against the Packers is going to be key. And also too, so one thing that was worrying me on my initial look was you know Jordan Love under pressure, Dallas can get great pressure. Um, but what I've noticed is that and what the numbers kind of flashed out is that Jordan Love under pressure just takes big swings. So his average at the target under pressure is eleven point eight. His average depth of target when not pressured is like 7.9. His yards per attempt under pressure is like seven and a half. It's actually higher under pressure than when not under pressure because he's taking so many more deep shots and deep downfield. And so I think that's pretty interesting here against the Dallas defense that is going to get pressure on him, but also probably leave themselves exposed to bigger plays. So um, I kind of like the over because I think that if Green Bay has success here, I have a lot more confidence in this Dallas offense to have success against Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay, if you look at who they've played against, the best passing team that they played is like, Detroit. I mean, that's like it. They have literally played. I mean, Kansas City, maybe it was like, you know, well, like, like earlier. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't even really consider that to be in the same caliber, though, as what we're looking at with this Dallas passing offense when they're clicking. So I, you know, one of the things that I thought about and had like kind of flashbacks of was week one Packers Vikings two years ago where Justin Jefferson was lined up against a linebacker for half the game and with, went for like 200 something yards. I think that is very, very much in the range of outcomes here for CD Lamb against this Green Bay defense because Joe Barry doesn't give a shit about that. And I, you know, they've done a great job moving CD Lamb around, getting him to advantageous spots. I think that's a very uh, potential range of outcomes there. And the Green Bay run defense has been, you know, fine for most of the year. Um, so I don't think that Dallas specifically tries to, you know, attack them on the ground here. So I like both teams that have a lot of success offensively. I think the one concern is like what Clark brought up. Maybe, uh, you know, they chew up, maybe the Packers chew up too much clock with their running game. But I do think that the whole pressure aspect and Jordan Love kind of being able to just make plays downfield, I think helps the over either way. Either he's throwing picks or, you know, trying to force the ball downfield with big completions. I think it's good either way. So I give me the over here at 50 and a half. Yeah, big number. But, uh, you know, if you're going to have some big plays, you know, if Clark's right, I mean, obviously that puts actually it probably does help the Dallas offense because I think they're better when they're forced to push and be, you know, pass heavy too. I think we just, they're more efficient than you unlock CD lamb who can absolutely go berserk here too. So yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think seven and a half is probably, um, I you know, I think it's too much. I mean, I think the half really matters. And I think that's why we see kind of some of the movement and where the line is currently. So, uh, money line, I can't get there, but I love Clark's conviction. What do you got, bud? Two other things anti-Dallas here. One is I was doing, I, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but I, I did some research on quarterback splits when playing good defenses against bad defenses in EPA per play. Um, and the results, Dak wasn't very good. He was he, he had big splits, right? So he performs worse against good defenses. That doesn't apply here, obviously, the Packers bet. But what I noticed when I was doing that was that Dak's number of snaps against bad defenses was way higher than any of the other quarterbacks I looked at. Like, he is, he is, I think it was like 390 snaps of his dropbacks came against bottom 12 defenses this year. So, so a lot of his numbers are, you know, very inflated by playing against bad defenses. The second thing is the Cowboys have crushed a lot of opponents this year. That's true. And so I think that's why people are like, well, the Cowboys laying seven and a half at home. I'm not afraid. But if you look at all the, the offenses that they crushed, the Giants, the Jets, the Patriots, the Giants, the Panthers, the Commanders, the Commanders, the Rams when Matthew Stafford was out at halftime, so they were playing with a backup quarterback the rest of the way. 
And then that one game against the Eagles uh, in uh, when they played them at home, those were all the teams that they've beaten by a, more than a touchdown this year. Um, and so when you're talking about those offenses, those are not the types of offenses that can go blow, blow for blow with the, the Cowboys and the Packers are. So I, I would, I would be interested to see if the Cowboys can really put the, like think about the Seahawks game, their offense played fantastic, but the Seahawks still stayed in that game and almost won it. I think that's kind of what, what we should be expecting from uh, the Packers in this one. Yeah, those are good points. I'm trying to pull up here. Cause I remember early in the season looking and being really surprised at the, um, you know, not just the, pressure to sack rate and the time to throw rate, but the time to pressure rate was something that the uh, you know, Packers were doing a great job early in the season is, is keeping their young quarterback upright. Uh, you know, it's actually, it's still relatively high. It's, you know, one of the better ones in the league in terms of, of time to pressure. It's not you know, like Mahomes per se, but part of that is Mahomes' ability to avoid pressure there, but yeah, still above, definitely above league average and, you know, something that is going to matter here uh, comparatively in, in what, uh, you know, again, part of, I would think, for a pro Cowboys handicap is going to be the pressure situation. Um, and if that's going to be something they struggle to get home with, that's going to give, um, that's going to give love some time. And they are obviously playing with a great deal of confidence and uh, yeah, seven and a half feels like too many. And I can get behind uh, Connor's play here on the, the over maybe partially we just should have maybe some love on the Packers team total, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. All right. This one's going to be great. This is the one we wanted to for sure. Narratives are very strong here. Rams on the road in Detroit. Against the Lions, Lions three-point favorites. Uh, there are threes juiced out, though, basically. Uh, minus 115, minus 120. There were three and a half that open. Those uh, long evaporated total opened at 52 as well. It's held steady here at 51 and a half. Kind of expecting offensive fireworks on both sides. You know, the defenses have at times played okay, uh, but can definitely be had, especially with strong passing offenses. Now, again, like the Lions had an outside shot at the number two seed last week if things broke their way they did not and on top of that unfortunately they added to their injury report um sam laporta came into the game questionable with a knee injury uh, he got dinged up uh so did khalif raymond we don't know if they are going to play in this game that obviously impacts things a little bit for the Lions side but uh connor give me the floor here for rams lions yeah this is really interesting because i think that the Lions, like this is like the nightmare matchup for the Lions to draw, to be honest. Out of anyone that they could have drawn, uh, I think facing Stafford and what he can do offensively is just like a total, total nightmare here. So digging into this Detroit defense, which uh, has been, you know, really shoddy at times, did get CJ Gardner-Johnson back last week, still gave up nearly 400 passing yards to Nick Mullins. They've allowed 300 passing yards in six games this season, uh, and, you know, that's tied for the second most in the NFL. They're among the league leaders and most passing yards allowed. The quarterbacks that they have not allowed 300 passing yards to, we're looking at Jordan Love twice, who had great games, just didn't need to throw that much in those games. Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, Justin Fields twice, Bryce Young, Derek Carr. I mean, like all largely terrible quarterbacks outside of Jordan Love. Uh, and like we're looking at guys who I, I just, every time that there needs to be volume, they're getting it. And so now we're putting the ball in Stafford's hands who can sling it. Puka Nakua has been, you know, a sensation. Cooper Cup looks to be revitalized after I was worried that Father Time kind of bit him there, uh, you know, midseason. You know, I think that the Rams running game may not be super successful here, um, which I'm interested to see if they kind of get away from that. Like Kieran Williams has kind of been, you know, their, their rock here. But a lot of that has been against, you know, bad defenses, been against bad run defenses, whereas the Lions run defense is pretty solid. So, like, I think that in this spot here, we see Stafford sling the ball, um, which makes me almost lean Rams plus three here. 
because this Rams pass, Rams defense has played better. Their metrics are like, you know, about average throughout the season. Um, and they played well, relatively well against like the Seahawks, Browns, even with Flacco. Um, but some of the other games were bad. Commanders, Saints, Giants, Cardinals in that stretch as well. So it's like really, I think, go, can go back and forth on the Rams defense. But the Rams offense, I think, will have plenty of success here against Detroit. So it has me leaning Rams plus three. I'm not jumping at it because I know there's a three and a half. But I still think, you know, if I had to pick a side here, it's, it's the Rams for me. Yeah, I got in early on the three and a half, Clark, and I know you did too on the Rams side. I think, though, you might have uh, some bullish maybe money line thoughts here too on some pro Ram stuff. Where are you at? Yeah, I took three and a half and the money line for the Rams because I think I do think this should be a close game. The The coaching and quarterback advantage for the Rams, I think, pushes me on because, you know, in a late game, tight late game scenario, I want Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford over Dan Campbell and Jared Goff. That's what it comes down to. And I know that's an overly simplistic way to look at it, but even on the road, even in Detroit, uh, you know, Matthew, Matthew Stafford has the experience in the playoffs and McVay, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff here that, you know, I, I go by the metrics and my metrics say this should be two and a half. So I'm seeing value independent of any of this stuff that I'm about to talk about. But on top of that, you know, you listen to Sean McVay in the offseason and there was some talk about him retiring last year. And, and you know, if you listen to the Play Callers podcast, like you hear his passion for the game. And I think there was a moment this offseason where he decided, no, I'm I'm going to I'm going to come back, you know, and, and I'm going to give it a go. And I think, you know, as much as he struggled last year mentally with the losing, like I think that was something he really struggled with. The winning against expectation, I think, has revitalized him as a person and as a coach. Um, and so I think you got that you've got you know, his, his desire to prove that he was right for trading Stafford for Goff, you know, his, his familiarity with Goff, like, you know, that he's, he's going to be talking to Raheem Morris about like how to set up the, you know, I, I don't know that McVay, McVay probably would make a good defensive coach. We don't think of him as that, but I think more than anything, like he knows Goff's tendencies. He He's going to be in the film room with the defensive guys, like talking about like, oh yeah, like this happened when he was in LA, like this, this, and this. And I think this is like, you know, the Super Bowl for the Rams, right? That they're already beyond where they thought they would be. And I think if they can win this, this is like, you know, so big for them. Whereas the Lions, it feels like they finally, they finally did it. They finally won the division, like the celebration, the tears, the the, the emotional climax of, of getting back in the playoffs, like sustaining that week after week might be a bit tough, especially when they're big favorites against you know, what I think is an equally good team. So um, I, I really like the Rams narratively here as well as metrically. It's a very popular pick. I feel like a lot of people like the Rams here. So worries me a little bit, but um, you know, the, the, the line has also moved down. So I think it signals that the the Rams, you know, are getting some actual, you know, some, some sharp money. So I'm comfortable with this. I think Stafford wins this one outright. Uh, I think the Lions are a good team, but they've got too many, um, too much reliance on scheme. And Jared Goff is one of those quarterbacks that when things don't go right from the, from the jump, uh, it, it's hard to get him back on track. Like, you know, and I think the Rams defenses have been playing really well lately. So, so if they can scheme up ways to frustrate Goff, I think, uh, especially without Sam Laporta, um, I think this could get, uh, you know, Rams and then they bleed the clock out with a good run game. Yeah. I think Laporta does matter. You've been able to, to get to the Rams, uh, especially if you have an above average playmaking tight end, through the passing game, and I think not having him here would be impactful if that does happen. Uh, I think we maybe see some reaction to that news whenever it breaks here. Connor, any thoughts here? Uh, narratives or uh, you know, matchup specific? We you know we have golf in the playoffs, though inside, so his baby hands aren't impacted per se. But again, you do have a coach that obviously is very familiar with uh, his strengths and his weaknesses. 
Yeah, no, I think I think Rams plus three is uh, is the side here. I mean, it's like you know, it's hearing Clark talk about it even more just made me you know even more interested in in backing the Rams here. Yeah, it's just like one of those things where this is going to be the Lions bl- totally blowing it after an awesome season. Uh, I mean, it's just you can you know too like that's such a good point that Clark brought up. Like McVeigh, a hundred percent knows Goff's limitations like to a T because. He, no one is more pissed off about it than in LA than golf, you know, airmailing certain passes or missing guys that should have been there. And I mean, hence the trade for Stafford. They literally knew that golf didn't have the arm talent to do what Stafford did like can do and did. And, you know, won the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, I'm interested here, uh, in the Rams plus three and probably a little sprinkle on the money line. The total's tough. Cause I mean, it's just high. And I don't think that there's like outside of Stafford, I think the advantage there, I don't think there's like a direct advantage for the Lions here against the Rams outside of them just being like average everywhere. So, um, yeah, I think that's a little bit tough for me. You're muted, Clark. I think it's a little high. You've got, uh, you know, indoor game with two really good offenses. So I understand why people want to go to the over, but the defenses are both a little bit underrated. The Rams have improved over the course of the season. Kind of like I talked about with the Packers offense, a bunch of young guys getting better matters. I mean, and the Lions are getting healthy. And I think, you know, those quarterbacks you named Connor, like I thought they were pretty good. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the NFL is changing guys like Baker Mayfield, pretty good. Jordan Love, pretty good. Um, so, so I, I think the lions defense is a little bit underrated too. They started off overrated and then people overcorrected in my opinion. So I think one, the defenses are both, and they're both pretty good against the run and both teams want to run the ball. Um, and then I think the other side of that is to get above 51 and a half in today's NFL. Like you've got to turn red zone opportunities into touchdowns. You got to get explosive plays. And it, you can you can get under that number without even bad, bad offense. Like it's just the clock was running because they were running the ball well. They reached third down a bunch. Like this, you know, they they go for it on fourth down and five at the ten yard line because you know they want a touchdown and they fail. Like there's so many ways to miss this massive of a total uh, that I think it's just you know it's under a pass. I just hope that one day. You know, if for some reason you're working for an NFL team that you do not have Desmond Ritter on your team or anything because he'll be your starter the whole year. So it's, you know, you you got to I think you got a bad quarterback fetish. You know, it's like one of those things that you could just like, you know, you love to back the, the dogs. But your, your stat was again. 300 yard passing. Ritter slung the ball all year. Like his problem was not getting yards. His problem was turnovers. So, you know, if you, if you if you erase all the turnovers, Desmond Ritter <laughs> was a good horrible. quarterback. I will I will reanalyze He's, the games in terms of EPA, whatever metric you want. He sucks. He's like a bottom five starting quarterback in the year. Yeah, because of his turnovers, but he throws the ball. He gets yards. I hit I hit my only season long prop of the whole year, season long player prop of the year is Desmond Ritter's over passing yards. Yeah, twenty five hundred. It was like it was like uh you know, peasant level quarterback production, twenty five hundred. I mean, part of that's Arthur Smith's fault though. So yeah. He got it even before he got uh, benched. Yeah. I agree. It's a, it's a little high. I do think that there's a scenario where, like you said, like like we always think of the Rams, especially this iteration of the Rams, like the way this team has been built with the weapons that they have. They like to throw the football. But like talked about earlier this season, they have some pretty massive like run splits when they're ahead. Like they are very run heavy uh, with a lead, even a three-point lead. They typically run uh, one of the league's highest rate, I believe, top five and you know, and, and rush rate over expected uh, when they are leading. So these are two great red zone offenses. At least they have been the season there. Uh, you know, Detroit's third and the Rams are fourth. They're both top 10 and third down conversion rate. Those are all really good. 
buys from a scoring standpoint, but we're still we're a little high at this point, still at uh, 51 and a half on the wrong side of a key number, in my opinion, if you were looking to, to take that. So uh, it's definitely would lean under. But again, I feel better about the Rams personally. If, it, of, if uh, it's 24-20, if it's 24-20 and one team gets the ball on their own 25 with six minutes left, the game the game's ending 24-20 on that drive. Like that's <laughs> that's how good the run offenses are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're sure as hell going to try for sure. Uh, just interesting. Teams haven't really run with volume against the Lions this season. Part of it is because you don't have to, you can pass against them. Also because the game script doesn't really allow it to, as they've seen, uh, you know, like I think the least amount of volume in like rush attempts against. Now they've been really efficient. Again, I think they've led the league in uh, yards you know, per carry allowed. And like from an EPA standpoint, they're like a top five defense on the ground. They just, they've faced very, very little volume because of the way games have gone. So Interesting to see what happens there if Kyron Williams is to bang his head into uh, a wall over and over again. Definitely the path of least resistance against the Lions is through the air. All right, the Monday night cap. Uh, Philadelphia on the road in Tampa Bay. It's a rematch we had very early in the season. Feels like a lifetime ago in terms of uh, football. But uh, I thought this would open and hold that Philly is a small favorite, less than three here on the road. It's where we opened, but it did not hold. We're now out to Philly, minus three. Um Two and a half could move back. We already see DraftKings at three minus 102. Uh, total has been bet down as well. It's hovering around some key numbers, 44, 43 and a half, which I think matters if you have a lean there as well. Both of these teams have absolutely backed into the playoffs. Um, look, I mean, just you get very Jekyll and Hyde performances from Tampa Bay. We've seen some great stuff from Baker. We've seen some stuff that's like very head scratching. Philly has been a disaster. Injury report is not pretty. Again, only Wednesday. This is a Monday night game, so they got a little bit more time here. Uh, Clark, I'll let you get started with Philly and Tampa Bay. This is kind of the ugly stepchild of the week <laughs> in football. Like nobody really wants to watch this game. It's gonna we have to wait till Monday night. Um, you know, Tampa Bay doesn't really. They're just not. They're not a good team. Like they've had some good games. Baker Mayfield. It's really nice to see Baker Mayfield revitalize his career and establish himself as you know a legitimate starter in the NFL. So that's a good story. Uh, but their defense hasn't been great, uh, you know, which has historically been much better. Granted, they've dealt with a bunch of injuries and they seem healthy. But even then, I just think they're a step slower than, than they have been in the past. The blitz isn't getting home as much. Um, they're just not able to frustrate offenses the way they have in the past. So it's going to be on Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, Fortunately, the Eagles defense also hasn't been very good. So we could see some some success for the Bucks passing game if the weather, if the weather is fine. Um, but I am looking for ways to get involved with the Eagles. I can't do it here. Like I just been staring at this game being like, yeah, I just can't like three on the road. Um, not with all the injuries, but um, I think they're a little bit underrated. I think they're, they're kind of arc of the season has been, you know, they were clearly frauds early on and then they kind of showed that they were frauds later in the season against a run of really tough opponents. Um, but then they continue to slide back into against bad opponents and so they didn't have that that like what i was expecting was kind of a roller coaster where okay they look really really bad against these good teams and then you buy them on the on the dip but they just never dip they never came back from the dip they just stayed down there um and so it's, it's a very ugly situation for them i think they're you know it, it, I, I don't know about locker room stuff but it seems like things aren't clicking like the offense isn't working um, you know, Jalen Hurts is having a hard time finding guys downfield the way he has in the past. And so he finds himself oftentimes just kind of like 
rolling out to the right as the pressure gets to him. And then eventually he just either steps out of bounds or throws it downfield for nobody. Um, that's just not a sustainable offense. They need to get the run game going consistently. Um, and I think the Bucks are good enough to kind of disrupt them a little bit. Um, but I think it's still Eagles or pass for me. It's just not a number that I lo- love to get involved in on the road. Kind of we talked about this game in advance a lot. It's just like, hey, this you're talking about the NFC South. Someone's fighting to take an, an L to whoever doesn't win the NFC East. Uh, and here we are. Like I did not think we'd be here without you know, tell me we get two and a half or three and wouldn't have massive conviction on whoever that NFC East team is. But it's kind of where we're at because, like Clark said, I, I, you and I, I think we're on the same page early with Philly. The offense was good, and I think we thought it was better than it was even performing. And there were some buying opportunities we took advantage of. Uh, but now it does feel like it's sunk to the levels of where the defense was, where defense is just absolutely – we knew 70 sacks was unsustainable, right? Like they didn't even lead the league in pressure rate last year and set an all-time sack record like through the roof. It was going to come back to earth, but like it's come back to earth maybe a little too far. Now you got injuries on top of it. Uh, not a great feeling here. What are your thoughts on uh, Eagles on their way to Tampa Bay? Yeah, the injuries are killer because we look at the last game here. A.J. Brown had like 130 yards or something like that, too. And, you know, his status is majorly, you know, in question. They came out today and said, oh, well, it's not a season-ending injury. But, you know, it could easily be a one-week injury, two-week injury. I mean, there's definitely – there's a lot of gray area there between – depending on how long they expect the season to be. And if he plays, they said he could be limited. So then that puts a lot of pressure on Devonta Smith, who's also injured – you know, Dallas Goddard, maybe. So it's not like everything is flowing. And I think that they kind of need all that right now based on what we've seen. But I guess the counter argument to that is that DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell absolutely crushed them last time on the ground as well. Uh, and so that, you know, I think plays in their favor. I mean, with Philly for the last few years, if they can run the ball, everything else has worked significantly better uh, for a team like that. So I think that's interesting too. And on top of this, like Clark touched on it. I mean, this Bucks team is just unbelievably overrated. You know, like all of their games against have come against uh you know non-playoff team except for one they beat the packers unfortunately uh you know your packers but otherwise they lost to the eagles by two scores lost to the lions by two scores lost to the bills in a game that was two scores until two minutes left they scored like a garbage time touchdown with like two minutes they played the texans well in the shootout then lost to the niners by two scores so it's like any good team that they've played they've just gotten absolutely annihilated uh and so but the question is like are the eagles right there there yet like are, is this current iteration of the eagles like a really good team and I don't have a definitive answer to that. So two and a half, yeah, I, you know, was interested in the Eagles. Three, maybe not. If we get more clarity on the like injury situation, if we have like some semblance of the Eagles' offense, I think I'll probably take some Eagles action here. Devontae Smith got rolled up on while blocking. That wasn't great. Like so, like you're talking about him having to shoulder a heavier load. Like he, I don't know, I don't know about his status or how close he is to playing, but he's not 100. percent And he's been dinged up from earlier in the season as well. The team. That like part of my handicap on like fading them this season was they, their inability to stay healthy. Of all the teams we've talked about today, the Bucks probably have the cleanest injury report walking into Wild Card Weekend. They are like everyone that matters pretty much on both sides of the ball is active and ready to go. Um, now again, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a good football team. I didn't think they were a good football team uh, while they were healthy early in the season, but uh, at least that's going for them here. It's like if they can convert in the seams, you can get blanket ship. And Kevin Byard in, in coverage, it has not been pretty. Um, it's you've been able to attack them with uh, you know tight ends all season long. You can run against them. Yeah, it's uh, it's very 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 interesting to see how this game can go. Uh, two and a half would be a little bit more interesting on Philly, but yeah, for me it's a stay away. Of all the games, I just don't have a feel any feel without the injury report on Philly side. 
I could yeah, also see comment my... here from Go for oh, it, yeah. Clark. So we're gonna say it's uh, no, no, yeah, no, we had we had a comment. John Ross said, "The more I listen to this, the happier I am that I bet props." Uh, I think you should bet both uh, because I think there's more specific angles that are better for both. Because if you know, like Stafford's gonna have success passing the ball, maybe it's good to bet the problem. Maybe it'd just be better to bet the Rams. Yeah, I don't know, but uh, yeah, there's certainly a lot of I think there's a lot of uncertainty this weekend with uh, at least this game and uh, the Chiefs Dolphins game. I think there's those two games are particularly like a lot of uncertainty with injuries and everything. So. Yeah, I was going mean, to say, I props, I... Though, you have to tell yourself a story, right? So you need some sort of handicapping element from a game standpoint to be able to, to I, mean, I don't know. I think I do. That's how I do it. But yeah, peace there. I, I think I could see myself ending up on an Eagles alt spread here um, for a couple of reasons. One is like, you know, the Kumbaya moment. Like if, if it turns out that they just kind of stumbled through, like we know, we know they weren't trying the Giants game. The Cardinals game was a bit weird. They kind of had limited possessions. The defense got tired on the field. Like, if we see them all coalesce and come together, Devonta Smith's healthy. They look like the Eagles of the past. Um, we could see, like, oh, yeah, of course of course, the Eagles are good. Um, and then on the other side of the ball, like, Baker Mayfield's been hurt the last two weeks in-game and trotted back out there because he's tough. But, you know, one bad hit and you're now going against Kyle Trask. Like, you know, th- there's a couple different avenues here for for all spread to hit so that might be something where i just risk a little to win a lot on just an angle that yeah i get that we lost you at the end but we know what you're saying eagles there's a range of outcomes uh that uh that could be a little bit higher so all right good stuff as always we appreciate you guys hanging out with us uh if you are in the chat before you leave make sure you subscribe make sure you hit us with a thumbs up we appreciate the comments uh find the podcast here on your uh, podcast feeds uh, later in the evening and john come back on friday we're gonna talk props you know here's a little bit more of that if you have not checked that out again friday afternoons connor myself and high slop so good stuff as always appreciate you guys for connor and clark i'm ryan we'll see you all next time thanks everybody <laughs>